Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Well, hallelujah. Come on, if we're standing on our feet, why don't we give God some glory, some praise, some thanksgiving. Come on, in your own words, just begin to tell Him how glad you are for another day. Come on, I think I think we can raise this roof just a little more. Has anybody come to celebrate? Yeah, the presence of God. Hey! I feel the presence of God in this room. All right, sit down. I got some. I got something to talk to you about today. But before we go any further, I'm just going to ask the Lord to help me deliver this message. So God, thank you so much for being here. Lord, we cannot do this without you. God, the more that we grow, we recognize our dependency upon who you are. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. You are the God. Lord, you are the the counselor, the comforter, the intercessor, the one who can come to our aid. And I pray and ask that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and our hearts to know you. And everybody who believed that said in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, um, thanks for coming out this morning. Uh, as some of you are pretty well aware of, we were having a little bit of uh, difficulties and complications with our facilities this morning, but how many of you guys know God is on the move? So uh, we are in the middle of a series we are calling Mark. Do I got any Mark people in the room this morning? Come on. You got to say I'm marked. That's you. Oh, come on. I believe that God is marking a generation. He is marking you and I for a specific purpose, for a calling. Come on, do I got any marked people in the room this morning? You ought to just say, I'm marked. So, how, how does this relate um, to where we are and what God is calling us to accomplish? I'm glad that you asked that question. And if you've missed these last couple of weeks, um, just a little bit of detail and information that you need to know for what the context of what we're talking about. We are uh, going over uh, the story of how David was anointed or marked, how God's favor, his approval had come upon David's life and uh, his process to the palace. And so that relates to yours and my life because God has called each and every single one of us to unique purposes, callings, assignments even. Um, so you and I should, should know that there's always more that God is calling us to accomplish. But first and foremost, everything that we're talking about, and I believe that David recognizes very clearly, is that our life, our, our, our things that we do revolves around the person that God is calling us to be and become. And, and where that starts is for you and I to be a child of God. Somebody say be. We need to be who God has called us to be over what God has called us to do. And I, I really believe this very truly that David recognizes because we see that God labels David as a man after his own heart because David was not more interested in being the king than he was in who God had made him to be. And so there, there's, there are a lot of do's and don'ts. As Christians, we, we um, as followers of Jesus, 
as people of God who are learning what it means to be who God has called us to be, um, there's, a, there's a lot of things that we do and don't do. Are, are, there, are there not? So, for instance, you and I, we, we recognize that, that living, living a life as a follower of Jesus, this means purity. This means holiness. And so there's things that, that people who are pure and, and who live holy ought to abstain from and things that they need to consecrate themselves to. Amen? Can, I, can we say that again? There are, so as followers of Jesus, there are things that you and I need to abstain from and consecrate ourselves to. Uh, um, just for, for instance, like, this is the Lord's Day. So being that this is the Lord's Day, this is not just something that we um, do on accident, but it's on purpose because this is a choice that we make. And so marked people, we recognize this, that God has marked us for a specific purpose and calling, but there are some fundamentals. Somebody say fundamentals. That we have to really pay close attention to. And so through this series, we started looking at some of those things really closely. And uh, again, if you, I, I don't have time to go into any sort of detail of the last couple of weeks, but if you missed it, you need to know that. Um, but there's, there's something really important that we need to recognize here as we look at the life of David and how he was marked that God didn't start there. There was a guy who has a bad rep and, and understandably so named King Saul whom God had chose. In 1 Samuel 9, 17, we read that when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, that's the man that I told you about. He will rule my people. But then there's a, a couple of chapters that uh, progress afterward until the point where Saul literally disqualifies himself. And so the story that I want to talk to you or the picture I want to paint for you today is talking about how we can white ourselves out from the plan that God has for yours in my life. And I, and I know that that statement in and of itself is a very heavy one, but I believe that by, by grace through faith, we're going to get this because I believe that there are so many things and so many times, even in my own life, that I, I look back and recognize that I am disqualifying myself from the purposes and things that God has, has for me, that God has for me. And so... Um, even though God had chosen Saul, what I, I see through the life of Saul, and, and again, we don't have time to go through all the scripture. You need to read 1 Samuel, um, is that even though God had chosen Saul, Saul chose Saul. And, and that's, that's a problem. When you are living a life of selfishness versus selflessness, you are marking yourself out. You're whiting yourself out from the plan of God in your life. And, and that is just the truth. It's the truth of the matter. And that's not to say that God cannot rewrite you into his plan, that God will not go back and write your name back again. But what happens is each and every time you and I make a decision to disobey God, we are, we are I, I don't know, I don't know all the things that, that are the ins and outs for that. But what I believe that we need to walk away from this message with is an understanding of how important the calling of God in our life is and how um, it comes to obedience in, our, in yours in my life, we need to pay attention to those things because um, it's, it's challenging for me to say this, but I believe that we need to kind of pay attention to, it. yes, God has called you and I and, and Trinity 
to such a time as this to accomplish something really great. And, and I'm, I, don't, I don't know what all that looks like. Yes, I believe that we're, we're called to disciple nations. Yes, I believe that we're called to go reach the lost. Yes, I believe that, that we're called to lay hands on the sick and see them recover and cast out demons and, and, and bring restoration. And, you know, we could go on and on and on and on. But why hasn't it happened before now? Do you, say, do you think that suddenly now, because of who we are, that God has brought us to, to this time because he's never had this vision beforehand? Because in my mind, like, I look at Acts, the apostles in the Bible, and I see all the great things that they're doing, and I'm like, now, wait a second. Why wasn't that finished? Like, why, why didn't the end already come? And I, I don't pretend to know the heart and mind of God because there's just so much more to this than meets the eye. But I'm challenged as when I look back through my lineage or maybe, you know, your family where you look back and you think, why didn't it happen with my mom or dad? Why didn't, why didn't it happen with a previous generation? And so as we're looking at this, I, um, one of the other things that come to mind is that God's not going to negate his plan for your negligence. And so when we look at the life of Saul, we, we see that. We see negligence instead of God's plan coming to fruition. And that's not to say that God's plan couldn't have come to pass in Saul's life because how many of you guys know we serve a God of mercy? Even in the Old Testament, we read that God's mercy is new what? Every morning, every day. But how many times do you and I pretend like that's not true? And we want to we treat our own life as though what we're doing, the mistakes and, and the decisions that we make are permanent. And so um, the illustration is exactly that, though, because our actions are only permanent if we allow them to be. Now, there are certain ramifications that your actions will produce here and now, in, in, in this present time, right? If you're going to drive drunk, you will get pulled over, right? You, you will go to jail, like... You, and it could be way worse than that, right? So we don't, we don't need to paint out the whole picture there. If you fail, you will have to retake it. You have to pay the, the money for tuition once again and, you know, all the ins and outs of that. Um, if you're late for work, right? The, the, so there are, there are the natural sides of that. But how many of you guys know that when we're talking about mercies that are new every morning, God works outside of our boundaries of the, of the natural world. And so, yes, even though you may have failed in a certain area, it doesn't mean that God can't still rewrite some things. Oh, come on. I'm saying God, God's merciful. You may have messed up. You have, may have made some mistakes, but that doesn't mean that what you have said can't be used in a roundabout way for God's glory. Because even though the, the children of Israel wandered in the, in the desert for 40 years, it doesn't mean that you have to wander for 40 years. I mean, we, we, we are living now in an age of grace. And so we need, to, we need to grab a hold of that, especially for such a time as now. So being marked, uh, you can, and you can write this down because I believe this is really important. Being marked is an exclusive and what I mean by that is that just because you're so special doesn't mean that the person across the row from you isn't just that special. Because the, the, uh, the scripture says this, that, that God is not a, God, a, a respecter of persons. So if, 
you see me up here and like I'm doing, like God is using me to, to bring vision and, and, and train up leaders and, you know, reach the lost, de- declare a word. God can do the same thing and even greater, I believe greater through your life if you're willing to um, see that in yourself. And I don't, I don't know where it is that God has called you. I don't know the, the palace or the position that God is calling you into, but I believe that for each and every single one of us as children of God, that we have, we have a message to declare. And that message doesn't need a platform. It doesn't need, a, it doesn't need limelights. It, you, know, you know what your position needs is integrity, character, humility. Oh, that's a, that was a good one to amen and shout about. So being marked isn't exclusive, right? Come on, tell your neighbor, it's not exclusive. But each and every single one of us who are marked are not exempt from being marked out. <laughs> Two people like that one. And I recognize this is a hard truth to swallow. But if the Bible didn't say it, it wasn't something we would have to come to terms with. So each, and and this is what I want to kind of bring home today, is that we all have a decision to make whether we're going to be David or Saul. So uh, a few years ago, (laughs) um, let's see, uh, it's 2021, right? Um, (laughs) It's weird saying that out loud. (laughs) Um, in 2011, I started my second year of what would be my final year of going to Bible school. Um, and when I say started, that was about all that happened because I ended up, um, just missing a lot of days, um, even weeks at a time sometimes where I would, I wouldn't go to class. And, um, does it, I don't think that makes me a bad person. I think that means that I had some things to learn. Um, and so by the end of the semester, they said, this is wintertime, uh, December, something like that. They called me in and they said, look, um, we're putting you on academic probation. You've had so many absences that um, if you don't start being in class, like you have two more absences the rest of the school year. And other than that, you're, you're done. And um, I was like, okay, like, like in my head, I'm like, uh, yeah, like, get it together, Andrew. <laughs> like, y'all ever been there? You're like, okay, like, you need to pull it together. But I was addicted to a life of serving myself. I would stay up all night playing video games and three or four in the morning. I'd be like, oh, like, I need to go to bed. Like, what am I doing in my life? Um, and, you know, seven o'clock in the morning would roll around and I'm like, I'm exhausted, right? I'm like, three, two, three hours of sleep every night. I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna sleep in. Like, I'm gonna make it to, you know, my second class, third class, you know? And... So, you know, a couple more days of that went, and I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm like, I'm out of school. And I remember, um, actually, I don't really remember that much except for, like, kind of going to this place where I felt as though I had failed God. And it took some time for me to bounce back from this, from realizing that my, my actions weren't permanent. Um, I remember being on a, a walk with uh, my now wife, um, my fiance at the time, and um, she told me, she said, you know, just because you miss it here doesn't mean God's not done with you. But what I think 
can happen is that when we are constantly writing ourselves out of God's will, then I say, I say writing out, whiting out, um, talking ourselves out of, is that what will happen is that we'll take an exit that is disqualifying us rather than recognizing there can be an exit that can be our destiny. And I believe that what happened in the moments after the fact is that I recognized that repentance is what needed to take place in my heart. And I said, okay, I'm going to fix this. I'm going back to the last thing God told me. I'm going to spend time in God's presence. Come on, hello. And I'm going to go back to school. So I purpose in my heart to go and do the last thing that God had told me. And it was after the fact then that God spoke to my heart to come down here and, and start, you know, being involved here at Trinity. Um, and that was, that was 10 years ago uh, this year. And so what I am trying to illustrate, though, is that what we can do is we can white ourselves out. And that's the title of this message is Where's the White Out? We can white ourselves out like the words on paper when we're using permanent pen. And we can allow God to rewrite our story. Or we can take an exit that we weren't destined for and never get back on. And, and what I think that you, you and I need to know, that I think there are a lot of people that are listening to this message, myself included, that constantly need to hear ourselves, hear God rewriting our story. Because my God doesn't change. And if his mercies are new every morning, that means that it, if you made the same mistake the hundredth time, which I've been there, I, I've, I've dealt with impurity, I've dealt with dishonesty, I've dealt with mistakes, a lot of times, you're not looking at a perfect leader, but you are looking at an honest one. But I recognize that I can use, God can use my failures to his advantage. Because each and every time I fail, that means that, that the time I get back up, it's not me getting back up, but it's Christ in me getting up. And so I believe that God is looking for people who are willing to step into a place and saying, you know, it's not about me being great but it's about God doing something great in us. And, and I truly believe that for, for us, for our community, that God is wanting to use us in such a great way, but we need to recognize and, and be honest with where you're at, especially this morning as we're talking about this, that our flaws, are our mistakes, our failures, that God can use those to his advantage. He can leverage those things for his kingdom. But, but will you and I take an honest look at where we're at? Because here's the thing. The, the gifts and the callings of God are, are without repentance. Uh, Romans eleven twenty eight, 28, and I, I didn't give this one to you, babe, but uh, in the Passion Translations, Romans eleven twenty eight, 28, uh, it, it says, Now many Jews are opposed to the gospel, and stick with this context. They're opposed to the gospel, but the opposition has opened the door to the gospel who are not Jewish. So each and every single person here, unless you have some Jewish lineage, we are exempt from the plan of God outside of uh, Jesus. So now Jesus being presented, um, we have the uh, opportunity to be saved. So Paul goes on to say, yet they are still greatly loved by God. And this is where I want to hone in. 
So even though they were opposed, say opposed. So even though sometimes we can be opposed to the plan of God for our life, right? We can write ourselves out from his, his will and purposes for us because of our mistakes, because of our rejection, because of our failures, because of whatever, right? Maybe it's your personality. I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but whatever that may be, that does not mean that God rescinds. Somebody say rescinds. It does not mean that God takes back. That's what that word means. God's not going to take back the fact that he chose you. And see, that's, that's what um, all this revolves around, the fact that we are chosen by God to represent him on earth, but we're still chosen. We're always chosen. Like, God doesn't rescind that. He doesn't take that back. And so it says even, it says that we, and we need, you need to recognize yourself here. You better recognize. Come on now. Recognize that we are greatly loved by God because their ancestors were divinely chosen to be his. And of course, that's speaking to the lineage of Abraham. And I, 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 forgive me, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place, so um, just stick with me. And so this is where we get this statement from. And when God chooses someone and graciously imparts gifts to them, they are never rescinded. When God chooses somebody, so somebody say choose, chooses. When God chooses someone, I just, need you to, I just need you to internalize right now. Just stop, close your eyes, let's shut everything down. Flip your phone over, close your Bible for a second. Let's everybody just pause and take a moment. This is how, this is how, this is how you pause and take a moment. You just shut your eyes, we're not thinking about anything else. And we're going to recognize the choice that it is to be called God's child. That's me and you. Hear the words of the Father in this, in this verse that says, that he will never rescind his choice. You are God's choice. We are God's choice. Can you say that's me? And so the Lord chose Saul. No one disqualified Saul except for Saul. You are the only person that can talk God's will out of your life, that can choose God's will out of your life, that can make a choice that says, I'm too far gone. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm not enough this. I don't have a platform. God hasn't given me that. And I, and I want to get into a little bit more of that as far as uh, comparison and callings go. But let's, let's walk away from this with an appreciation and understanding of do we know the value of the call of God on our life, on our marriage? Do we, do we really believe that God can use something as simple and mundane as, as the job that I go and work at? Like, my marriage, like, it's got a history. I've, I've, I've got nine years, going on nine years this year. I've got a history of marriage. I know people who have a lot more history. And you're thinking, like, can, can God bring restoration out of something that has been this broken, this, um, this uh, disheveled or, like, just discompobulated? Like, can, can God use me who's so introverted. And so what I'd like to do with the rest of the time we have now is to um, encourage you and give you a little bit of practicality uh, of what you can do to avoid of widening yourself and writing yourself out of the plan of God for your life. So number one, the, the first thing that you need to avoid, and this is a big one, this is a hard thing, so brace yourself, tell your neighbor, brace yourself, is your view of yourself. 
I'm looking around and I see old, I see young, I see black and I white, male and female. And, and right now in, in our age, we have a lot of things that are tension right there in those, those things. The, the, the young are the ones who are supposed to run with it. But the Bible says lots of things. Um, how, how about slave or free? That one's, that one's a big tension. Male or female, that one's, those are big tensions. But let's not, let's not try to get our eyes on, a, on anybody else, but let's just recognize and understand, perceive and know what it means to have the call of God on your life as an individual. Male or female, none of these matter. We need to recognize what it means to be me as a child of God. And your view of yourself not compared to somebody else, not despite or in spite of others or where you're at. Come on, I'm not, let's not bring into the, the, the table where we come from, how much we have or don't have. Your view of yourself. God is not looking for somebody who has it all together. <laughs> that I, hallelujah! <laughs> Wow, that right there is liberating. I thank God that I don't have to look like Macy. I don't have to look like Stephen Furtick. That guy's swole. Like, how do you have that much time to go to the gym? Like, I don't have to have everything together. I don't have to be perfect all the time. I don't, you don't have to have all the answers all the time. My God. <laughs> yes, come on. You don't have to have a million bucks or a buck. You just got to be willing. You got to be obedient. Listen to this. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You know what that means? You don't have to have, like, like I was saying, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to, ha you know, have all your ducks in a row. You just have to pick up the call. Every day. Every day, pick up the call. The call of God on your life that he's chosen you to be you, to be someone special. You don't have to be, you don't have to be the next Mike Todd, the next Michael Jordan, the next, you know, whoever. Um, you don't have to be King David. And in fact, I wouldn't encourage it. David had some issues. <laughs> he had some things. I don't want to get into that too much. But Romans 8.28, New Living Translation. We know that God causes, somebody help me out with this word. Romans 8.28 in the New Living. We know that God causes, help me out. What's that say? Every. Every oh, you mean that stuff, you know, last night? You mean the mistakes that I made that I'm still holding over my head that God's forgotten about? You mean my family that traumatized, like the trauma that comes from my family. Ooh. You mean that, that, that job, that it, it's going nowhere. God is not looking for you to have it all together. He's not looking for... He's not looking for you to be the, the next Jesus. I love that. One time I was preaching and I thought about that. I was like, man, like God knew when he died on the cross for us as Jesus that we were going to be sinful, that we were going to have mistakes. And he still chose us. He still loves us. He loves you today as much as he will tomorrow, as much as he did when you did that really bad thing that you're thinking about. And you're like, 
No, 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 no. Like, God doesn't want me. He didn't chose me. But I'm here to tell you, he he did and does and will continue. But it's up to you and your view of yourself that will determine the outcome. Because some exits are destined and others are disqualifications. And it's important that we recognize that because does everything work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them, not your purpose. And that's something that, that I don't want to get into too much, but that's the truth that we, that it's something you, we have to recognize is that a lot of times we get in our mind that this is God's will for my life, right? I was sure that because I had failed school that I had failed God's plan for my life. But just because I failed doesn't mean that I couldn't go back and finish, which is what I plan to do or that God couldn't open a door somewhere else and cause me to walk into my God-given purpose and divine destiny. Come on. Hallelujah. So you don't have to be qualified to answer the call. You just have to answer the call and keep on answering. Uh, I don't know who said this, but uh, the quote goes like this. Your personality is the one thing that you can never let forfeit your purpose. Your personality is the one thing that you can never let forfeit your purpose. I'm shy, I'm this, I'm not that. Yeah, don't, don't let who you are make you stay the way that you are. God, God can use certain attributes and, and sides of the person that he's made you to be you're seeing right now, like he can use where you're at, but that doesn't mean that's that's the place that God has called you to stay. Because if that was the truth, we would look at the life of David. We would look at my life, and I and if I had instead chosen to stay where I was at, there would be no Trinity today, more than likely. I don't I don't, I don't know, but we could look at the story of David, and we could see that if he had rejected the call of God and just stayed in the pasture what would have happened to, to Israel? So no one has to say the way that they are. And, and what I begin to think about in, in this fact is that it's easy to quit. It's easy to just say, well, this is the way I've always been. This is the way things have always been. That doesn't mean that that's the way things are supposed to be. And in kingdom culture, it's so important that you and I begin to take ownership. Somebody say ownership. It's important that you and I take ownership over what God has given us. The kingdom of God is peace, it's righteousness, it's joy in the Holy Ghost. And so what does that look like walking out for you and I? Well, it certainly means that we shouldn't put ourselves in a box. And to give you a little bit of an example, um, personally... When I chose to accept the call that God was saying, come to the church here, which I was laying in bed one night and I, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart because dad, Pastor Cameron, he'd asked us to come down here and help with the church. And I thought, well, Lord, you had told me to go to school. So that means I need to go back and finish what you, you told me to do, right? That's, that seems like a right thing that makes sense in my mind. Hey, girl. <laughs> But then I felt like God spoke to my heart and he said, you need to go, go to Trinity. They need you. 
And I say, okay, yes, Lord. Because I'm like, okay, that doesn't mean that's my permanent forever. I can come back here and finish school sometime. I don't know if I ever will at this point. But that being said, I'm open to whatever God's will is. Somebody say, I'm open. I'm open. Only say it if you mean it. <laughs> you get yourself in trouble. <laughs> Been through hell and high water coming here. I'm serious. You think, you think this morning was fun? Uh-uh, I didn't want to come to church. I'm not playing. I had a vision of being the pastor here at this church. Like, I'm talking about in the spirit, I was worshiping, and all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, I was on a stage preaching to a crowd. It wasn't even at this building. It was in another place. And I knew that God was calling me to be pastor. And so what would have been easy is for, for me to get scared, to run away, to, to disqualify myself because I hadn't finished school. And that's what I did a lot of time after I came down here because I'm like, oh, man, like, there are all these things that disqualify me, right? You know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, God can't use me because of that. Or, or maybe, <laughs> maybe you're looking at me or somebody else, and you're thinking, oh, man, like, like that's a mistake, like, they, 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 can't, they can't be doing that. Like, God, God doesn't really have that for them. And, and we can put God in a box for somebody else's life. Not even, not even trying to get into that, but there's just so much to be said about how our thoughts can shape and change what God wants to do in the lives of those around us. And we see this because of how Saul not only disqualified himself, but his entire lineage from what God wanted to do through his family. God, Samuel said this when, when um, Saul did something really wrong. He said, God would have established your lineage over Israel forever. What that tells us is that the lineage, that Jesus' ancestry was supposed to be through Saul's family, not David's. But because of how he chose to view himself and things around him. Look at this. 1 Samuel 9, 17. Samuel saw Saul, and the Lord said, that's the man that I told you about. He will rule my people. Verse 21, Saul replied, but I'm only. Somebody say, but I'm only. How many times have you and I done this? I, I'm, I mean, 2016, me and Caitlin take over the church. Dad says, you know, we're going to hand the reins over to you. Y'all are going to start leading. You're going to run with it. We're going to take a, a, a month off. We're not even going to come to church. You guys, like, we believe in you. You got this because God had spoken to their heart. And, and, and I'm second-guessing God the whole time. How many, how many times do you and I do this? You're up here behind the drums, and you're like, God can't use me. Like, I can't be anointed because of blank. But I'm only. But... What is it that God is calling you to that you're, that you're riding yourself, that you're widening yourself out of? So last thing, uh, <laughs> last thing I want to talk about here is that um, it's, it's easy for you and I to marry the world's perspective of I'm only. But what I believe God is calling us to do is to divorce 
the world's perspective and the world's mentality, the world's way about our life, about your life, about my life, in order that we can fully walk into the purposes and callings of God in our life. Because there is no such thing as an ordinary or, or uh, a part-time minister. You know, for each and every single person that says yes to Jesus, is that anybody in here? You, you said yes to Jesus? Yeah? That means you're a minister of the gospel. There's no such thing as a part-time minister. There's no such thing as part-time ministry. We're, we're all full-time ministers of the gospel because 2 Corinthians 5.18 talks about how God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That wasn't for pastors or preachers or somebody who has a platform or somebody who has their life together or somebody who, who has, you know, lived a perfect life. No, that, that, that's for me. Somebody say, that's for me. All right, so be careful about your own view of yourself because you will end up talking yourself out of, out of what God wants for you. So we need to recalibrate our thinking to what God is saying versus our own perspective. Number two, what whites us out is the pride of our position. And this is, this is a big one because, and we talked about this a little bit last week, I'm not gonna jump off stage or fall down again. <laughs> but um, number two, the pride of your position uh, we lost uh, Caitlin. She's taking care of my baby. So y'all just kind of have to write that down. Then I got to put it up on the screen. First um, Samuel 13, and you just have to follow along in your own Bible. First uh, Samuel 13, verse 7. Um, we're in the story. Oh, thanks, Colin. We're in the story of Saul, who has been anointed king now, and God has given him instruction. Somebody say instruction. How many, how many of you guys think that when, when God uh, gives you things to do, that it's important that we pay attention to the details? So um, first, uh, or not first, but Proverbs 3, 5, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will guide and direct your path. So God's not looking for a, a plan. He's looking for a heart posture, right? So I believe this is, this is another big area where, where Saul gets off. So first, he's writing himself out of God's will before he's even anointed as king because he said, but I'm only. So, and, and that was true of me. Before I'd even really stepped into being a pastor, I'm like talking myself out of it because I'm like, well, I haven't finished school. I don't have any degrees. I'm not a certain age. You know, I'm, I was still in debt at the time. You know, lots of different things. And so we, we're looking at the story of Saul here and they're, they're in a really hard place, like in between a hard place and a rock. And what ends up happening is Saul ignores the uh, direction. Watch this. So some of them had crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. And Saul waited there. Somebody say waited. Seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But, uh-oh, this, this is the trouble but I'm only, but Samuel still didn't come. So Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. Verse nine, so he demanded, bring me, watch out now, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering, somebody help me out with this word, himself. Verse 10, just as Saul was finished with a burnt offering, Samuel arrived. This tells me that God is much closer than we think. Because as soon as he got done trying to do it his own way, God's messenger arrived. 
Saul went out to meet, meet him and welcome him. Samuel said, what is this that you've done? Saul replied, well, I saw my men scattering. <laughs> you know what this tells me? He wasn't living by faith. I, he was paying attention to, to everything that, that was or wasn't happening instead of waiting on the Lord. I saw my men scattering. Why did, you didn't arrive when you said you would. The Philistines are a mickmash ready for battle. So I asked for the Lord's help. And I felt compelled to offering the burnt offering myself before you came. Samuel exclaimed, how foolish. You have not kept the commandment the Lord your God gave. Had you have kept it, the Lord, look at this. The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. While Saul was writing his, his own, own plans out, what ended up happening is he took an exit that disqualified him that now David is entering into because of his, his choice. This, this wasn't God's choice for Saul's life. This was Saul's choice for Saul's life because he was supposed to be waiting. So, very important here, we recognize pride opens that door to myself, believing in myself, I, I'm, I'm the one doing it. Trying to, to uh, do this in a place where I can do this without God. And I just, I believe it's so important for us to recognize that when God gives you a position, and each and every single one of us have a position as, as a son, as a daughter, first and foremost, that, that is all of our position. Husband or wife, those are other ones. Brother and sister, I mean, there is a long list of things that we put ourselves in a place where we like to disqualify ourselves before God is, God is trying to write us into certain places. I just, there is so much to be said about where God has positioned you. You don't need a platform to do, to be who God's calling to be where you're at. And, and what I said a moment ago, I, I kind of want to reiterate and re-highlight that Saul had already started writing himself out, whiting himself out, so to speak, of God's plan before he had even stepped into this position. And so when he gets into the position, he takes a position of pride instead of humility Instead of waiting on God, that's another thing. It's easy to do it yourself. And I've been there lots. You can ask my wife. You, you can ask my team. We're working through some stuff right now where I'm trying to like, I'm trying to make it happen. I'm trying to do it. You know what I'm saying? You're like, well, I'm the man. Or, you know, I'm the so-and-so. You know, I'm, I'm mom. And you're like, I need to make this happen because of who I am. Instead of what? Waiting on God. And, and, and if you missed waiting faith a couple weeks ago, you, 
That was a word from God, if, if I've ever heard one here in this season, that I needed to hear. I desperately needed to hear that word. And I believe that, that God would still be speaking to that, that, that it's so important for us to just sometimes just sit and wait. You know, the enemies, the enemy could be on the move. The enemy will convince you that because he's on the move, that he's going to take you out, that you need to, that you need to move. He's trying to put you in a corner. He's trying to put you in, a, in between a rock and a hard place where you are saying these words, I had to do it myself. And what that does is it, is it separates you. It starts widening you out because you've taken a, a position of pride instead of going low. And so if there's a, a, good, a good walk away from this point is that, you should always go low. Don't try to be right. Don't, don't try to figure it out on your, your, if you've got God on a time table, a time pattern, stop it. Don't do it. That's trouble right there. That's pride. You think you know what's right. Okay. Number three is this. Partial obedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. He said, he said, I'm, I'm waiting on you. I, like, I waited. It was seven days. I did what you said. But he said, no, I'm going to come and do it. But instead, he said, well, since you didn't come, I'm just going to do it myself. Like, we're going to put God in a box. Like, we're going to put God in a timetable. And so what we see here now, again, this helps prove the point. is that even though we're marked, it's what we do or don't do from what God is telling us that will qualify or disqualify us. And as, as I speak to you and preach to you about the vision that God has given us for this house, there is a very fine line that we have to walk as believers and followers of Jesus, as children of God, to enter into where God is calling us to, to go and to accomplish. Remember what I said at the beginning. Let's reevaluate as to why this hasn't happened before. Saul was God's choice. Saul was marked. But David was chosen because of Saul's choice, not God's choice. And so what is it in, in yours and my life that God is calling us into, that God is calling us out of, that God is calling us from, to, or even vice versa, to and from? That we can, we can take a position of humility and full obedience. Like, I don't know what God's calling you into, but who's to say that God can't use you for that. Oh, that was one of the challenging things for me when, when God started speaking to my heart about how we're supposed to be like Elevation and Hillsong and Bethel. I'm like, yeah, there's 40 people in our church, God, like on a good week. So how exactly is that supposed to work out? And I'm like talking myself out of it, left and right. I'm like, no, God, God, God can't do that here. Like God doesn't want to do that here. Honestly, I'm talking myself out of it because I'm like, 
but I'm only. But God's not going to negate his plan for yours and my negligence. So what does that mean for us? We've got to go low into this position of full obedience. And, And understand again that God will continue to give you opportunities. You know, there were five years of Saul's kingdom as as he was anointed and 42 total that he served as a leader without God's anointing. What what does that tell us is that God, God is ready to move, but he's waiting on you. God's waiting on, on you and I to move, to be the move of God, to be the people that he's calling us to be, to be the son, to be the daughter, to be his child, his representation of, of glory manifested here and now. I, I think some of the things that we can, we can get stuck on is that like God wants to wait and there's timing, don't get me wrong. There's more to, be, there, there's a lot to be said about yours and my season of preparation. But that doesn't mean that there are some things that God is going to, that will do, that he wants to do through yours and my life. And, it, and it's, it's not waiting on you to have it all together. And so just two last things here. Make sure that in this place where we're in this waiting, that we don't get restless and start comparing ourselves. I, I, I can't stress enough that if you don't get comfortable in your own skin, like God needs you to be you. He doesn't need you to be somebody else. There's a, a, there's a, a book that Caitlin and I like to read to McKenna, and, and I'm, I'm going to close with this and one, one other point. They'll, they'll go together that talks about on the night you were born. And I love this book because it speaks to the uniqueness of who she is. But I believe, I, I feel the grievance and heart of God on this, like heartbreak that we get lost in comparison because of them or they, him and her. And, and if you give me permission, I believe that one of the important things, overarching again, this is a, a big central thing that we can skip over so many times, especially as we focus on our platform, our position, the process to the palace, and all the great things that God is gonna do and I'm gonna do, right? Like, man, like, man, God, give me a vision. I've got a dream. Like, my heart is on fire. Like, Ah, we're going to reach the loss. We're going to do those things. But what I feel like happens so many times, we get lost on the way to that position, forgetting the uniqueness of who we are. The book says it somewhere along the lines of this, that there has never been someone like you before, and there will never be again. And every time I, you know, of course, the first time I read that, I'm like, <laughs> but every time I, I, I read that, I, I pray to God 
her ears, most certainly, but mine as well, would hear that. That I would recognize and learn to know the heart of my father speaking those words over me that there's never been another you, Andrew. There's never been another me. And there never will again. So what is it that I'm potentially missing? One of the most important things that I believe that can happen, or one of the most unfortunate things, I should say, that can happen is for you and I to skip over the value of yours in my life. Yeah, I'm marked. And yeah, I'm going to follow Pastor Andrew and the leaders of Trinity Beaumont. And we're going to love God, love people, and lead well. Go home and take a nap. You know, like that's my part. That, like that's it. Now my part's over. As if the, the king is supposed to accomplish it all. And I know I said I'm closing, but just five more minutes, I promise. Think about this in natural terms. The king will place, he will, he will delegate authority to the leaders who will what? Not take a, a, a not take a, a, a position of pride. Sorry, look for that word. He's looking for a leader. So the king is going to do this. He, he needs things to happen in his kingdom, right? You can't do it all. And, and God is not, God's not doing it anymore. Now he's asking for you and I to partner. Somebody say partner. He's asking for you and I to partner together with him. We're co-heirs, co-laborers together with him. And so in natural, and this is very much so, but you just need to think about this as far as a king and a kingdom. He will delegate authority to people who are willing to not take a pride of position, but, or excuse me, a position of pride, but instead a position of humility, who are willing to go to full obedience. They're not trying to compare themselves. Well, I'm not general. Well, I'm not captain, or I'm not Lord, or I'm not so-and-so. No, all, all, all he needs for you to do is go and bake some food because people got to eat. Go and scrub some toilets because you can't live with, in filthiness. A lot of times we get like that. We, we look at the things that we're doing and we start comparing ourselves to what we're not doing for what God hasn't called us to. But can I tell you the uniqueness of your position? There's never been another you and there never will again. God's not asking you to be pastor. Aren't you glad? I would say that I wish that weren't for me. But I know that the uniqueness of my position is exactly that. It's unique. The, the grace for me is like that. So stop comparing yourself. And the last, last thing that I want to close out with is that we all got some Saul. And, and I think I already illustrated this pretty clear. But here's what you need to walk away with. 2 Peter 3, 9. In the New Living. Says the Lord isn't really slow about his promise. As some people think. We're waiting on God. And we're waiting on God. And we're waiting on God. But when we look through the life of Saul. We see Saul. 
living a life of selfishness instead of a life of selflessness. And when we look at the life of David, we see David making some really huge mistakes. Adultery and murder to name the top ones. Pretty bad. But here's the difference. Saul takes his position of pride because he's worried about what people will think of him when he makes a mistake. But David takes a position of humility because he recognizes who he's in relationship with. He said, I've sinned against God. It's not, it's not people who ultimately have the power, is it not? Are people the one who have the final say-so over you and my life? Or are we gonna stand judgment before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? You might be thinking that you're waiting on God, but I believe that God is waiting on you. God's not slow in his promise because he's being patient for your sake because he doesn't want anybody to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to, somebody say that word with me, repent. Repent. And so what I'd like you to do this morning is just inwardly, so nobody looking around, let's just, let's take an inward look at our life again. Let's ask ourselves the question, is there an area of my life that God is calling me to step into obedience? Is there an area of my life that I have taken a position of pride? And if there is a, a place that you feel like Holy Spirit is burning some conviction in, will you lift your hand? I'd like to pray for you this morning. I see those hands. Maybe, you, maybe you're in this place and you feel like, man, I've marked, I've widened myself out of God's plan for my life. And I want to repent this morning. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Thank you. I see those hands. God bless you guys. Okay. So for each and every single person who um, didn't raise your hand, why don't, why don't we just stand and worship? And for those of you who, who did raise your hand and wanted to raise your hand, meet me down here at the altar. Prayer partners, come on down. Let's pray for the, these individuals. And, and for each and every other person, come on down. Don't wait. Come on, if you need any prayer for, for anything this morning, but especially if you need to repent, if you need to get your life right with Jesus today, come on down. They're going to wait. But don't, don't miss this day. Don't miss this opportunity that God wants to speak inside of you. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to rewrite you. He wants to rewrite some things. Aren't you glad that God has a destiny for you? That, that no matter how many times that we may make mistakes, that God still, come on, he, His mercies are new every morning. Come on. Want me to be. Come on, keep coming, keep coming. Don't miss this opportunity. God wants to, he doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want you to miss what he has for your life. Come on, let's sing this. Come on, his choice is you. 
Do you hear him speaking that? Come on. Lay down your pride right now. Come on, let's just pray for his will. Let's worship for his will. Yes. Come on, let's declare this by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Can you thank God that his mercies are new every morning? Come on, he's not done with you. Come on, if you're here and you need strength in your life to keep walking out that plan, come on. I believe there's strength here at the altar. Come now. Hallelujah. Your will, Lord, your will. grace at the altar, guys. Come on. There's forgiveness at the altar. Come on. See yourself with him there. Come on. I believe the Lord is ministering to hearts all over this room. For those of you who are listening online, come on. I believe God is rewriting your stories, your, your destinies right now in Jesus' name. I pray for great strength for homes, for lives, for families. For those of you who are in the workplaces, who are searching, who are saying, can can God use me? Take that position of humility. Just tell him you're willing. Come on, just tell him, I came here with nothing. Make me an offering, God. Make me a vessel. I'm willing. I'm willing. Come on. Whatever. Come on. It doesn't have to look like anybody else. Come on, let's sing that. Come on, Jesus. some today. Make me a vessel. Jesus, bring new one out of me. Bring new one out of me. Let's keep singing that. Jesus, bring new one out of me. 
on, keep singing that out. Jesus. Come on, tell him today. That's good. Come on, he's moving on your hearts. Come on, let's lift your hands all over this room. Tell him. Come on, do you want that anointing to be drawn out of your life? I believe that God is going to continue to use you. Come on, we're willing vessels. Just ask him. Keep bringing the new one. Jesus. right there. Thank you, Lord. That's the approval. That's the favor of God. When the anointing is present, that's the approval and favor of God. All over this room, let's just lift our hands. Jesus, would you bring new wine out of me? Would you use me in, in, a, in a way, in a form, in a fashion that I have not yet realized? God, would you begin to, to show me things that I have, I have not yet seen? For each and every single individual under the sound of my voice, I believe that, that God is moving in such a, a tremendous and, and a mighty, even an accelerated fashion here in these last days. That as we allow Him in our humility to, to use us, to make me whatever He wants me to be, it's when that, that's when the anointing shows up. When we say, God, I surrender, we say, God, I, I choose your will, not my will. That's when the anointing is present. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank God. Come on. Thank God that as, as you're willing, he moves. He shows up. You don't have to have it all together. You just have to answer the call. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. All over this room. Let's just thank God that his choice it's us. His choice was us. His choice will always be us. Hallelujah. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came Let's call on his name for a moment longer. Jesus, Jesus, we're asking you, Jesus. Oh, come on, the lover of your soul, the Lord of your life, the Savior of humanity, come on. Is his name Redeemer? Is his name Emmanuel? Is he God with us? Is he giving you the promise of his spirit today? Oh, come on, is he the anointed Christ? Is he present? Come on, is there any, is there any other worthy? Is there any other more lovely? Is there any other more beautiful? Is there any other more worthy of your adoration and praise? Jesus. Jesus. King Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're the reason. Jesus, it's all about you. Jesus, come on, just tell him today in your own words. Oh, man. There's forgiveness in the room today. Come on, there's repentance in the room today. There's mercy in the house of God today. Oh, the mercy seat. 
He said the mercy seat's always open. All you have to do is come. Come to that altar where he's, he's waiting for you with arms open wide. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. I want to close, but I don't want to miss this. There's still ministering angels that are present that are moving here this morning. If you're in a place where you need to receive strength or mercy or, you know, whatever it is, you ought to just reach out your hand and by faith just thank him for it. It's present. He's all sufficient. He's all sufficient. That means he's enough. That means you don't have to go to any other source. Your job is, is not your source for provision. That, that a doctor is, is not the ultimate physician. That, that a medication is not what can cure you. No, don't stop taking your medication now. He's the answer. You know that, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you need peace, you ought to just thank him for it. He's here. Woo, there's a hug for somebody. I felt that. Peace right now. Breathe it in. I can feel the, the, the air of heaven. It's in this room. Deep breaths. If, you need, if you're feeling congestion, if you're feeling heaviness, deep breaths. The air of heaven's in this room. There's healing. Woo, I feel light. Hmm, that's the fire of God now. I can feel the fire of God. If you got to go, I understand. Hallelujah. Whoa, whoa.
the anointing is present to free you. I can feel the fire here. Just worship. Nothing can compare. That's freedom right there. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to let go a little to get some freedom. Let go of your way. Let go of your will. And when you, when you magnify, when you exalt him, when you declare that, that nothing comes close, nothing compares except for your presence, everything changes. Oh, come on. I said his presence changes everything. Wow. Thank you, God. Let's tell him just the voices. Say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come on. Just love on the Spirit of God. Tell him you want him inside your heart. Come on. Come on, you just tell him thank you. All over this room, let's lift our hands. Let's tell him. Tell him with your own words, your own voices. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that you're still the great redeemer. Thank you that you're still the, the liberator and redeemer of our souls. That God, you still love us. God, even when we're insufficient, God, you're sufficient. God, even when we, we stumble, even when we miss it, God, God, you don't. You still believe in us. Come on, you ought to just let your own, your own ears hear the, you, these words. I still believe. I still believe in me. I'm not giving up. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm not giving up. Tell the devils in hell, I'm not giving up. Tell the angels that are here to, to gird you up, I'm not giving up. Come on, let strength rise up. I'm not going to compare. Come on, we've, we've all got a choice. We've all got a choice whether we're going to repent Or otherwise but I want to pray for you today as we dismiss that God would would give you great resolve that he would strengthen you from the inside out Paul the Apostle prayed by the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 3 
He said, because I know of your great love for God. And you can just receive this. You can just have arms open to just receive this. But he said, because I know of your great love, and I'll speak this over you, my friends. Because I know of your great love for God and his, his saints, the ones that he chose to love. That's you and us. That's each and every single one of the believers, Christians around the world. He said, I pray pray with great fervor. I, I, I get on my knees and I pray for you, and I do for you guys as well. But I, I do pray this for you now, that the Spirit of God would come on the inside of you, that, that he would strengthen you in your innermost being. When you come to the end of yourself, I pray that you would learn and begin to understand what it is to tap into the, the grace, the favor, the strength, the, the marking of God on the inside of you, that you would, you would grow deep roots down on the inside of his love, that you would recognize and understand that as you allow the Holy Spirit and in turn Jesus to live on the inside of you, that you would come to an understanding and even a revelation, an experience actually, as a matter of fact, even encounters with his love, that, that you would have an encounter and experience after experience and encounter of his love time and time and time again, that that love would transform you, that you would actually recognize on the inside of your heart, that there's, there's a place, there's a home where he's living on the inside of you. I pray that love on the inside of you would, would spring up and spring forth, that you would, you would begin to understand and know the depths of that love, how wide and deep and high and long is that love that he has for you. Oh, I said that you would know and understand how deep, wide, and high that love is for you. And having an understanding of that, having an encounter with that love that would transform you from the inside out so that we could come to understand and recognize and know what it is to have that power that's living on the inside of us that could accomplish his purpose and will through us. Not your will, not my will, not our purposes, but his will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, and amen. My friends, let us always remember that it's our, the choice is ours. And let us go love God, love people, and lead well. You guys have a great week. You're dismissed. I hope to see you soon.